You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I'm talking to Tim Renko. Tim is someone I've been excited to get on the podcast for some time. Uh, he has been brilliant. I mean, we, the starting point for this interview is the fact that he's murdered every gig I've seen him do. I mean, murdered. He's a phenomenally accomplished comic. Uh, and we are going to talk about some of his uh, provocative humour. It probably is useful for you to know that Tim is himself Jewish before we get to uh, a reported version of one of his punchlines, which we're going to look at in some detail uh, not too long into this episode. Um, you'll see why that detail becomes po- uh, important later on. Um, and I think there is not just a, a content warning uh, on this show for some dark and challenging material, um, but also in a very serious way because we are quite early in this episode going to talk about some of Tim's experiences uh, being exploited, being sexually abused as a disabled person uh, and as a younger person. So this is a more serious than usual content warning for the show. If you are in a place listening to this uh, with younger people or with anyone that you consider vulnerable to that kind of conversation, then maybe save this episode uh, until you can experience it somewhere more appropriate. Is that enough? I feel like I've said enough. I, You know, normally we're quite sweary on this show and we sort of touch on dark things here and there. Very early on, we're going to get into some very difficult material. So consider yourself so advised. Uh, but with that in mind, there is also a lot to enjoy uh, in this episode. Tim is going to be talking uh, about how he doesn't care what his audience thinks of him and the benefits and the disadvantages of feeling like that as a comic. Uh, and we're also going to find out why he would rather be alone in a wood with a shotgun. This is Tim Renko. I've never seen you not murder. Yeah, yeah. It like, happens. Does it? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I, I, I even murder one guy the worst death anyone's ever done. The, those are the two options? Yeah. Murder or total I, self-destruction? I've told this story before on other things, but one time I died so hard the whole front row turned their back on me. They turned their back on you. Because they can't boo me. Because so what happened was (laughs) I was doing a gig and on it was very early on and on the bus this guy tried to convert me to Christianity. 
Okay. But he really focused on the torture. Like when he was telling me the story of Jesus, he really, <laughs> really doubled down on the torture. And then he would say stuff like, so they flayed him until the skin came off his body. You know what that's like, right? Like he would end all the sentences with, you know what that's like, right? So I thought that's funny, and I'll talk about that when I get on stage. And so I did, and I didn't realize it was a parish gig. Ah, okay. So they did not like it. Okay. And I'm, they just, the whole thing turned their back on me. And you say that because they couldn't boo you. Yeah. Why couldn't they boo you? Because... I mean, this is a podcast, so you can't see me. <laughs> I see what you mean. They're right. They, yeah, yeah, they weren't. Pre- it's not that they didn't. Yeah. It's not that that was like a function yeah, of the club. Yeah, it's just they didn't yeah. feel comfortable booing yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you? Do, I just want to visual. Sorry to bring you back to this horrific yeah. death. What is that? What do you mean? They all turned their back, like they just got like their phones out, or they physically turned away? Physically turned their way. Like, <laughs> like ten seventy-olds just turning. And like, it was like in Goodfellas when the big boss cuts him out of the family. Oh he goes, my. Okay, I'll give you money, but now I'm turning my back. Jesus. They physically Christ. turned their back on me. How did that feel? Because normally, at a situation where you die, where one dies, yeah. there's an element of. Um, I'm responsible for this. Yeah. Did you feel responsible for like that choice of material or did oh, you feel like these people are idiots? Well, it was also my first ever paid gig. Oh, man. So it was just like, it was like, there were definitely thoughts of quitting after that. Because yeah. it's like, yeah. How long had it taken you to get to your first ever paid gig? Uh, two years. Okay. I was very bad about I didn't realize it took me two years to realize you could just ask clubs to put you on. Yeah. Like, I, I, I thought, for some reason, I thought you had to get an agent first and then they would okay. get your gigs. Oh, and God. then Bobby Mayo was like, you're an idiot, just ask. Where, where were you? Well, this one was just some guy's parish. Okay, so what country were you in? I don't know when you oh, started. Did you start in the UK. I started in New. I started in. Um, I started in Memphis, Tennessee. That's cool to say. Yeah, <laughs> I wish yeah. I could say that. It was great. It was uh, just this little bar next to my university. Just did a stand-up competition one night. Okay. Like, you got a free beer for entering. So okay. I, I entered, and then I did pretty well in it. Your comedy, one of the defining characteristics, I think, of your comedy is that you 
you know exactly how we feel about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you play with yeah. exactly how we yeah. feel about you. Yeah, that's... Like, so many of your jokes are, like, the, the platform, yeah. the, the base that they're on is... I'm telling you what you're thinking yeah, and what yeah, you don't yeah. want to admit you're yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah. So what does that look like at the very beginning of your career? How much Did you feel any kind so, of control? No, so that took about, that's, the other, that took a couple years to learn how to do. Because at first you're like, at first. So when I started out very early, I was doing Josh Blue type. Stuff, do you know who? Tried? I think I know. Did he do he's, last comic standing? Last comic standing. I don't know any of his gear. I don't know what his um, approach is. He is. I mean, he's a very sweet stoner. Okay. That it like, and he does what a lot of disabled people do, which is just try to make you comfortable as soon as. Okay. As quickly as I can, so I did that. And then I realized I didn't like that because I don't like audiences that much. <laughs> I don't want you to feel comfortable. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to do the complete opposite and just go totally blue and gross. And I did that for like a year and I didn't like that either. <laughs> so then I thought, you know what? People see me, they get uncomfortable. And no one tells, I hadn't heard anyone at the time in my position be like, I know you're uncomfortable and that's okay. Yeah. But you're wrong. So that's what I try to do is be like, you have every right to be uncomfortable because you don't know how to behave. Yeah. So it's my job to tell you how to behave. And the way to behave is know that I'm an asshole. (laughs) Okay. That, to me, sounds like it's okay for you to feel like that premise that saying to an audience is okay for you to feel uncomfortable, but you're wrong. Yeah. That, that gives me, you know, if you think of a comic who is, who has a religious faith yeah. and like their mission is yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. explore their faith yeah. or then, you know what I mean? It feels like you've got a mission. Yeah. Does yeah. it feel to you like you've got a mission? <laughs> I don't mean that in a reductive yeah, way, yeah, like yeah, it's no, all you no, talk no, about, I, but does that yeah. sustain you ever that you're yeah. like, I'm doing the work of the Lord. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Uh, I I would say the thing that differentiates me from people with religious events to their comedy, including atheism. Sure, yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. the one that gets the most preachy. Yes. Atheism. The thing that did is I don't, like, I'm doing it because I never heard anyone do my point of view before. Yeah, okay. But I don't care if you disagree with me. Yes. Like, I kind of want you to disagree with me. So that you have an argument to win. No, no, just so I have an argument. 
Yeah, like, yeah, I think that, yeah, 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 I think that's what I meant. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm perfectly open to the concept of me being wrong. Like that's fine with me. I just would like to hear a point of view you sure. maybe haven't heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it because it's not zealotry, is it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then, like, do you like making people uncomfortable? Do I like making people? I like making. <laughs> Um, I suppose in the last year or two, I have had some darker stuff in yeah. my show and I really enjoy doing yeah. it. Yeah. And I, because I am at heart, as I know you are, a nice person, yeah. like of all comics, yeah, yeah. you always ask after my kids. Yeah, I'm yeah. always like, lovely Tim, yeah. do you know what I mean? Which is such a fun contrast yeah. to then watch you go be beast on stage. But, um, but like, I, I think, I feel like I'm nice yeah. brackets within yeah. a certain amount yeah, yeah. of kind of privileged yeah. wanker yeah, yeah. like oh, I'm happy to step over a homeless yeah. person oh, I don't like saying that you know yeah. but I but I am increasingly excited about pushing an audience on their morality or their yeah. or their amorality yeah, for the yeah, sake yeah. of something that's obviously a joke yeah yeah so I enjoy that aspect of it yeah. I mean one of the things for you is that do okay do you find that when you're talking about when you're making an audience feel uncomfortable, do you find that at your core, you know that you're, uh, like, unequivocally right? <laughs> I mean... No, I... I... So... I, I don't put a joke in that I can't defend. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm right. Uh, if that makes sense. Like, I, yes. I always want to be able to defend my joke, but I, I, like, I, I have, I have a joke, uh, that I, I just, one of my friends just reminded me of, which is great, because I, I had a, I had a story about it. But I could only remember the story. I couldn't remember. <laughs> but the joke is, um, I'm 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 American, uh, which is weird. It's weird living here. You guys, the biggest difference is, you guys care a lot more about pedophiles than we do, and I think that's because in America we shoot our kids. You can walk away from my ass fucking. Right? So that's the joke. And it's not. And I I had an angry lady um, come up to me after, after a show and be like, I don't like the joke. I work with damaged kids. And, and I was like, yeah, I... I Completely understand that, but um, I tell that joke because I got molested as a child, and and like it wasn't bad, but like jokes like that help me deal with it. Yeah, and then she was like, "Yeah, but I got molested, and I don't like it." Yeah, and it's like. In that case, 
we're both right. Like, yeah. however we need to deal with it. Sure. We is the, what we need to do. Because, but just because we're both right doesn't mean yeah. we agree with each other. Yeah. And it is a fucked up joke. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we could agree on yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, so. It's funny that, I mean, I often hear that, um, that like a lot of comics that say dark material will yeah. say some variation on because they laughed, that means I win. No, Do you know what I mean? Like, because... I completely disagree with that. Like, like laughter to me was always a defense response. Okay. And like, you can't, like, you can't win. Like, you definitely can't change somebody's mind because they laughed. But they also can laugh because they are uncomfortable. Yeah, right. Or just because they don't know what else to do. Yeah. Or, like, or, or they can laugh at the components being yeah, mashed yeah, together yeah. in a surprising yet satisfying yeah. way. Feel Laugh and then feel bad about it because actually they know yeah. it's terrible to think those things. And it's absolutely fun to change your mind after thinking about... <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing that annoys me. It's like... The guys that say that act like once you've had a thought, that's what you believe. Yeah, right. And it's like, no, you can still not like something after you laugh. Yeah. So you, I didn't see your show. You, you had a show where you talked about uh, being sexually abused. Uh, did you did you no. do jokes about it? I figure like I read it in a review of yours that did you covered that topic. Did I do that? It sounds like something I do. Uh, I don't think... I mean, I... So, the thing... <laughs> the first impact about being disabled is most of us get abused some way. And mine was not bad okay. at all. Like, it was just... It's, it was a weird teacher that I kind of remember something bad happening, but I okay. can't Jesus. really remember. And I, I don't know if I remember it because she was gross. And I know she got arrested after me for molesting Artistic kids. Jesus Christ. Uh, but, like, she would definitely... She would do stuff like she would... I can't prove this because I can't remember it, but I seem to remember just her helping me to go to the toilet in a way no one else did. Yeah, okay. You know, so it wasn't oh, like... Nice. It was just gross, you know. Yeah. And then... And then it's weird. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is women, uh, the thing I feel like women don't get is when I say no, I'm weaker than them. Yeah. So it happens a lot where I'm with a drunk woman at a bar and she will not go away and she doesn't realize how scary 
she's finished. You know, so, so it's not, it's never like um, malicious, except with the teacher, but it's scary. So, yeah, so I talked about that in the show. And how did that feel to be talking? Because it seems to me like your 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 club jokes, your kind of yeah. stuff that I've your sets as opposed to your shows seem to explore uh, to a level of it's like about their discomfort. It's about the audience's yeah, yeah, yeah. discomfort, and you're very good at kind of wielding that. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if you've talked about that stuff on stage. Talk about your own discomfort. That's like. To be vulnerable on stage is hard yeah, for any comedian, yeah. but you're playing with quite a complex, yeah, layered vulnerability. I, do, I don't do it in my club set. I think I used to do it in open mics. I should try it again now that I'm better because it never worked in open mics just because my skill level wasn't there before. Yeah. But I did do a show about my first show. I managed to convince my uni to let me do that as my final thesis. Ah, uh, okay. But I was studying literature, so I had to make it literary. Okay. So I based it on Dante's Inferno. <laughs> and I just followed the path of Dante's Inferno. Okay. So I did definitely talk about the abuse in that one because um, cause that's the sixth level, I think. Okay. So, but, yeah. I don't... There's... Oh, yeah. Because I had the joke about, like, because I had this joke. The one joke I can remember from it is um, it's a true story. I was at a bar and just leaning on the bar, minding my own business. And a lady came up behind me and stuck her finger up my butt and then said, can I kiss you for a dollar? So I said, lady, you already owe me 50 for the finger. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. Jesus, that, yeah. that, I've got to, I think of you as such a powerful guy because yeah. I see you on stage. Yeah, and, when yeah. I, and when I see you off stage as well, yeah. you are, you own your disability yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a way that, I mean, I don't even know what I mean by that, but do you yeah, know what I mean by I that? I know what you mean. Like you're, you're really, you don't make any concession yeah. to anyone else's yeah. comfort off stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in a, I think of you, I tell me, tell me if this is offensive. I think of you in a similar kind of uh, aesthetic to Phil Kay. Yeah. Yeah, like I can yeah. imagine you both barefoot. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. As I, as I understand it, that's yeah. probably for two different reasons. But do you, know what I mean? you you seem to embrace that and go, this is it, get over it, everyone. Years ago, I was riding home in a bus with Le- from Lester, and it was me, Bobby Mayo, um, Kate Lucas, uh, and like, I think like three other people. So there were six of us and we had two tickets between us. And so me and Phil got on without a ticket. 
and we just started wiping our beards on each other. And Bobby started going, all the two most disgusting men I know are <laughs> Yeah, I love Pilkey. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? He has a yeah. similar kind of... Yeah. I don't know whether it's like a rejection of society yeah, or a rejection yeah. of the norm. It's Yeah, I think it's a... It's a... Being all right with the fact you don't really fit in. Yeah. But also, except, like... Like, I feel like I'm way more accepting of the fact I don't fit in than other disabled people. And part of that is I don't want to fit in. Yeah, okay. You know, like, I don't... I don't really think society has... I think... Because I... I write for TV sometimes, so I need to do, like, a commute, like a normal person. And when you're packed into a tube, it's, like, 50 feet underground with 12,000 people. You just have to think, society has failed. Like, if this is the goal, this is a bad goal. Of the rat race itself, Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't disagree with that. I get to I get to live the vicarious thrill of yeah. the stand-up comedian going, yeah, yeah. look at all you guys doing the yeah. rat race. Of course, until I'm, you know, yeah. penniless and alone age 16 yeah, in the yeah. doorway because I didn't didn't yeah. work really hard. Oh man, I think I'm pretty sure if I wasn't disabled, I'd be like one of those insane guys. Go on, what just down in the woods. Down in the woods. Survivalist. Yeah, really? Type. Really? Yeah. You've got, a, like, a natural survivalist mentality? Well, no, I didn't get a natural disliking for society. Then I'm not sure how related that is to disability. Yeah. But I feel like I'd be happy just in the woods with a shotgun. Right. <laughs> no clothes or shelter. No clothes or <laughs> just you, just me and my shotgun. Just me and my shotgun and my teeth. <laughs> so this is Tim. It's so much fun talking to him. He has got such a twinkle in his eye. And I think I really advise you, and I always say this, you've got to check out of his stuff live if you can online if that's impossible but he is just we're we're talking quite specifically about certain punchlines of his in a very glib way because we're both very familiar with them uh it would really do you some good i think to see some of his material so that you could get a sense of just what effect he has on an audience he's a phenomenal comic and i hope you enjoy him there's going to be more from tim shortly uh there'll be a little bit of extra material uh, available for members of the insiders club you can join by going to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders and support the show with a regular micro a mini an eeny meeny micro donation or a larger one if you like it's entirely up to you everyone gets the same extra content not just for with some bits and bobs from tim uh, but also recent episodes with neil hamburger uh, they've been uh, extra content there have been some you interview stews there's a brilliant one on marketing 
uh, from a guy called Sheldon Southworth. If you are a self-promoting comedian, if you're a comedian of any kind, it would really benefit you, I think, to listen to what Sheldon has to say. I found that quite a challenging interview as he called me on certain things that it would make sense for me to doing that I'm absolutely not doing. So lots of that to get your teeth into at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. Now, I've been, uh, I mentioned nextup.com, uh, nextupcomedy.com, forgive me, um, who, as you know, are the people who are doing a sort of Netflix for stand-up. And uh, it's brilliant to see uh, loads of shows getting to have a life after the end of their tour, after the end of their fringe run, their festival run. I've just wanted to particularly shout out, if you enjoyed the delightful sausage on Harry Hill's club night recently, then you are going to absolutely love the delightful sausage uh, with their show, Cold... Uh, what's it called? Is it called Cold... Cold Hard Cash or something like that? I can't quite remember. It's got a cleverer name than I'm doing it justice. But literally, if you're, if you're into... If you're on Next Up Comedy... I highly recommend just watch the first minute and 30 seconds. It's their own daft little credit sequence. And then the introduction, which is said by someone else, but they've clearly written themselves. They're an amazing double act, Amy Gledhill and Chris Cantrell. And they literally just give the first 90 seconds a go. And if you are not convinced by that, frankly, you're an idiot. But uh, about 15 minutes into into this particular show... Chris does a lecture on feminism, which is, I mean, it's brilliantly funny in itself, but you cannot take your face off Amy's face and facial expressions throughout. They are so, so brilliant. So if you go to nextupcomedy.com, you can get stuck into them. And Christopher Bliss as well, who is a new favourite of mine. I'm going to try and get Rob on the podcast before too long. But I saw him at a festival uh, just earlier this year, earlier this summer, and was properly cry laughing. So check out the delightful sausage and Christopher Bliss if you are on nextupcomedy.com. A further shout out for Turtle Canyon. Do look out for content, the show, uh, with the con- I believe it's hashtag content web series. That's lots of fun. Um, and that, I think, is everything. Now, listen, I was supposed to be dynamically injecting an advert into the last month's worth of episodes. I don't know what's happened to it. It's an advert not just for a, a product or service, which may be available, but also for my own stuff, uh, for the resilience presentations that I'm doing, and also for the tour. It's been I've been made aware that those adverts haven't been going out, so if you feel I've not been self-promoting at you as hard as I should have, and I'm not saying this in response to Sheldon having a pop at me, um, but I, uh, I intended to, so I'm going to very quickly remind you of the forthcoming tour dates with uh, the show End Of that is uh, happening near you if you're in the following places. We have Caution on the 25th of January next year and then in February, Newcastle Stand, Glasgow Stand, Farnham Maltings, The Basement in York, Hyde Park Book Club in Leeds and then the tour concludes at Cambridge Junction. If you're in Cambridge, come along to that. I always sell out the small room. So hubris, thy name is Goldsmith. We've gone for the big room in Cambridge and uh, I I can't wait to get there and recognise the same 110 people that come to the... (laughs) I shouldn't say that. Is that bad marketing or is that good marketing? Because I'm being honest. Um, I really hope we're going to sell well in Cambridge. It's it's such a fun venue to play and I'm really excited to be moving up rooms. So if you're in or near Cambridge, get along to that. And... I'm doing a DVD brackets, not a DVD recording of End Of. It's going to be in uh, March at the Wardrobe Theatre. I think it's March the 11th, but check uh, the Wardrobe Theatre. I've put a note in the ComCom Facebook group and, as usual, some cracking chat in there. So uh, I don't know if you saw, there was a one-star review in a famous broadsheet newspaper of a very famous arena comic, which has been getting a lot of people's backs up. And there's been a really... 
temperate and well-measured conversation about that in the Facebook uh, group for this podcast, as has there been uh, some really interesting chat where Johnny Mouncer, a listener and uh, long-time supporter and one-time editor of this show, uh, has been asking for tips on emceeing. There's been some really helpful people linking him to their own best case uh, you know their own uh, research or, or things that they've made themselves with tips of how to Matt Green and Paul Savage have very kindly been giving their time and expertise over there so if you're on Facebook join the ComCom Facebook group and remember the third security question is a reference to the bees joke if you don't know the punchline of the bees joke it's absolutely fine there have been some rip snorting improvised answers to what is apparently on the surface of it a completely fantastical question all of that happening over on the ComCom Facebook group but now let's get back to this interview with the wonderful Tim Renko. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The nature of your power, both on stage, like you seem powerful on yeah. stage, and you seem powerful off stage by yeah, your rejection yeah, yeah. and everything. And it's only just talking to you now have yeah. I really got a sense of how vulnerable you are. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, like vulnerable to abuse. Vulnerable. Well, yeah, that that power is like, I mean, it's it's peacocking, like it's it's like any prey has. Colorful feathers to make them look scary. Any prey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like that's what you're doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I am fully aware that once society falls apart, I'm the first one to go. Oh, fuck, Tim! I'm trying to lose weight just so I won't give anyone a good meal. <laughs> That's the only fight I can. That, but the thing is, just because you're weak doesn't mean you shouldn't fight. You know, you just got to enjoy the fight and <laughs> not winning. That, is, that sounds like it's from the art of Isn't war. That the, it probably is. Well, it's like the art of losing. Yeah, also, but, but like the art of losing and having enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoy yeah, the fight, but you yeah. don't get to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a more depressing way to say enjoy the journey, not the destiny. Yeah, 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 yeah fair enough. I would say yeah. way more depressing. Yeah. But that does, yeah, I mean, that layer of additional, everyone's feeling existential yeah. dread about yeah. the environment at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely, as a disabled man, you're, uh, yeah, like, it's that much more frightening. Oh, yeah, my, jo- my joke about it is, I don't, oh, what was it? I don't care. I don't care who. I can't be racist because I know Whoever wins the race war, I'm the first one to go anyway. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter to me because you're all going to kill me. 
I would suggest, I would, I would suppose from the outside that having overcome the physical challenges that you're yeah. faced with constantly yeah. and it must have been so much harder for you to become a stand-up comic. Do you, do you, is that true or is that Ooh. just patronising a- ableist I mean, bullshit? it's definitely like... It's definitely like... Clubs aren't accessible in the ones that are are not good. Yeah, right. That's just... I don't know why that's a thing, but <laughs> comedy does not work on the ground floor. <laughs> that is so it right. It never has and never will. Yeah, okay. But, uh, but it... The easy thing about it was... It was the only thing... Physically, I could really do. So when you have no other options, okay. you know it's like. I mean that that is a that's a born comedian mentality yeah, yeah. to go. Well, I suppose it'll have to be stand up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah cause, like, I mean, if I like, because I, I don't think I actually have the personality to be a stand up because. Don't really care if the audience likes me, other than it'll get me paid. Oh come on! But let's... like I, I don't, I don't like I'm good at it, <coughs> so I do it. But like, if I had my complete choice, I would have definitely been a veterinarian. Right. Right. Like, like yeah. right, no no joke. That's no like joke. A, that sounds like a very specific word yeah, choice yeah. for the sake of a gag. You'd have been a vet. Yeah, I've been a vet. My mom's a vet. My uncle's a vet. I grew up with animals. Okay. I'm good with them. I like them. They have a good sense of humor. Yeah. So that's fucking that's nuts. Yeah. Very rarely do you hear, I don't want to do this. <laughs> well, well, no, no, it's, it's not that you're saying you don't, don't want to do it. Want to do it. It's that, yeah, it's that, it's not like I don't, that when I talk to comedians, I sense this need to do it say, that I don't have. You're not needy. Don't need it. Like, and uh, uh, perhaps frustratingly, that's probably part of why you're yeah, so good at stand-up comedy. I think comedy. it is, because I don't. Like, that's like how I'd be an amazing vet, because I just don't need the animal to Yeah, live. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'd probably be the worst vet, because I do like animals. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, so you're not emotionally invested in the audience yeah, liking you. No, really. Never? No. And I have... Like, I have a weird thing where, and this this does get back to being the solid thing, but I have this weird thing where, like, I, I don't want to say I prefer it, because, like, so I did a gig in Brighton right after my show came out, uh, Joke on BBC Three. Mm-hmm. Which would be a great plug, except I don't think it's on there anymore. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll, talk, we'll come yeah, back to you. So right after that came out, I did a show in Brighton, no Bristol, and like 
I feel like 90% of the audience was there for me, which had never happened yeah, yeah. before. And it, I mean, it was awesome. Like, it was really great. But I, there's something I like more about talking to people that might disagree with me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's just more exciting. Yeah, so so it's less, oh, my God, you don't care if they like you, and if they do like you, you, you yeah, like it even less. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Like, ego-wise, it's fantastic. Like, because the, the reason I started thinking about it was, like, seven years ago, I saw Eddie as a dear very early work in progress and the audience laughed at everything I, he said and it was I felt so bad for him because it like I know you want to be the best and you can't do that based on this week you yeah. know yeah. like so that's that's the thing is I do I do want to be the best. So it's good when you have to win people. Yes. And I would imagine if you're not doing your own shows to your own audience yeah. as much, yeah. the vast majority of your club experience is yeah. going to be an audience being surprised yeah, at you. Yeah, yeah. And so you can then provoke them because yeah. part of what they're thinking, like the moment they... Now, you know that thing about, like, female comics are judged as soon as the audience hear their name. Yeah, yeah. I guess for you, it's as soon as they see you walking towards yeah, the stage, yeah, yeah. there will be a certain amount of what the fuck is this. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, this, the experience, not this. Yeah. yeah I guess it's a human. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that can happen too. <laughs> but, but, like, that gives, that gives you attention. Whereas if they're there knowing and expecting you, that yeah. tension isn't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Let's talk about the writing. Yeah. And you're incredibly good at tagging, but not just not just tags. You know, like tags yeah. are sort of for the uninitiated, yeah. if this happens to be your first episode of the Comedians Comedian <laughs> Podcast. Um, like tagging or topping jokes where you kind of take it further and further and further. I always think a really good uh, topper is one that changes the paradigm again. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just like a bit of wordplay yeah, on top of yeah. it. It's like a whole other way of looking at the joke. Yeah. And you're really good at doing that. Your writing is so lean. Yeah. So talk to me about that process of how you tease that stuff out. Yeah, so... Uh, is it the babies, the, the bit that ends with you pissing on a baby is the um, being so, the wheelchairs being put next to the babies on a bus? No, no, that's... No? Yeah, that's, it's kind of... The, so that... That bit. Okay. You burned so, it on TV. Let's take it to bits. I was working with a friend and we saw a lady feeding her child and he went, oh my God, why can't, why can't she do that but I can't piss on the street? And I went, well, two reasons. One, you're not, your penis is weird. And two, you're not, <laughs> feeding a child and if you are feeding a child stop and then it goes on from there about 
what possible reason you could have to piss on a child. So, okay, so it started because I saw a lady feeding her baby on the bus, and it was right again the time where right, the right wing was getting all uptight about public breastfeeding. Yeah. And like, because that, and I was like, okay, because like, that first year mine goes to the basic place, which is, I get to see boobs on the street. Right, that's the boring joke. Yeah. And so, but, like, I did want, like, so, I like, I know that that's a joke, but it's not a good joke, but it is a joke, so there is a joke. And then, so then I thought, think, okay, why does it upset me that they're upset that... People, what is the most basic, if I break down the argument, what are they actually fighting about? And they're actually fighting about feeding on children. Feeding children. Yeah. Right? That's why you're mad about your mind, that the <laughs> baby is getting fed, which is absurd. So then I like thinking about for that for a couple of days and then I would talk into a friend about it. Anyway, he said something about pissing on the street. Okay. And I went, hey, those two things go together. And so, okay, what's the difference between pissing on the street and Breastfeeding. Well, one you're pissing and two you're feeding. Right? So, so then you go, okay. So, how, what? Is there any excuse you can have for pissing on the street? Okay. Like a baby. And then I thought, well, Feeding the baby. But that doesn't work because you shouldn't feed a baby piss. <laughs> Obviously. Then you go, okay, so what's the simplest way to say you shouldn't piss on the baby? Gotcha. It's, okay. Don't piss on the baby. <laughs> so to me, it's all about getting down to the most simple. Yes, and and also asking why as well. That's interesting. The very beginning of that thought is yeah. some people have got a problem with this thing that's fine. Yeah. Why do I have a problem with yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So because, like, I'm, I'm working on a new one that's not quite there yet about, like, how... Because there's so many different elements about, like, body positivity. That's funny. Yeah. There's two main ones to me, which is, I find it really funny that the people that I'm 
really promoting body positivity are the same people that really promoted anorexia in the 90s. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, we like this because of you. Don't pretend like you didn't tell us to like skinny women. Yeah, right. You know? So that's... I, I find something similar in the way in hotel rooms, they've started leaving really passive-aggressive notes in the bathroom yeah. saying, hey, listen, about towels. about towels. Guys, you know, it's really yeah. killing the planet that we consistently wash yeah. your towels when we don't need to. And you're like, don't put that on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's your choice. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's one funny thing. And the other funny thing is the fact that humans... A ghost, like we're just liquid sacks, and we're always we we are always gonna be liquid sacks. So you shouldn't be body positive because you're gross, no matter who you are. So I'm just trying to get those two okay, okay ideas to come. And and the process of those ideas, is it, what kind of thing is it? Is it staring out a window, having a think about them? Is it typing them? Is it unpacking so, them on stage? It's been, it's been trouble recently because the, the way I like to write most is I just go out in my world. Because, and walking is okay for walking. I spend so much energy walking, it's yeah. hard to think. So, but yeah, it's getting outside and thinking about it. And then a lot of times also it's a third thing that just comes out of nowhere, like a story. So I can put that idea into a story. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because I'm not actually that great at just doing ideas. Yeah, 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 fair. Yes, your stuff is story-based, isn't it? Like yeah. the, the stuff about the Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And like your Instagram, yeah. following a stripper on Instagram yeah, who's yeah, a friend yeah, of yours. Yeah. It's like all of those bits, they're couched in a, a yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. But they're all bits. Like I'm very influenced by Dylan Moore. Okay. Who... Tell stories, but if you break it down, it's actually just a ton of one-liners. And yeah. which way round does it happen? Do you write? Do you have ideas for jokes oh, and I, then wait I, for someone I to give the story to first? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about jerk. Yeah, jerk's great. That was fine. So j tell us what jerk is, so, and then we'll uh, talk about it. Jerk is the sitcom I wrote with Stu Richardson. Um, Jump high. And it took years to make it was dip difficult production process. But like yeah. So yeah. So it's you and it's this it's the show of your life, a fictionalized yeah, version of it's yourself. A fictionalized version of me and it's Basically, like, it's, again, doing what I was doing my religious preaching thing, which is preaching that disabled people can also be assholes. <laughs> right? 
So it's, it's such a great elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just in a sentence, uniquely yeah. on TV. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was so like my favorite episode. Uh, I get mistaken for a Syrian refugee and I get free food out of it, so I keep doing it. <laughs> But, like, yeah, so it it always goes back to that thing about... Cause my whole my whole thing is, um... I don't think anyone... I don't think people deserve respect, but I think everyone deserves the chance to get respect which I don't feel like disabled people get that chance a lot. And part of the reason we get, don't get that chance is because stereotypically, well, like, the way that um, fiction has shown us is either, like, Tiny Tim or, like, Eagle. It was, I mean, I guess it's the... Madonna whole complex, same idea. Yeah. So I just wanted to show a normal guy that's kind of in the middle of, like he's a nice guy that's just kind of a loser. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of stuff, what what were the bits when you, so besides the Syrian refugee bit, what are the bits that make you that you feel most satisfied, uh, like jokes or setups or something in there? And uh, and what kind of stuff have you, did you have to cut? Oh, yeah, I, uh, well, they still, ha- they didn't let me, I really wanted a storyline where, so in the sitcom, he is like a liberal friend, and I wanted a storyline where the liberal guy Thinks he has friends with the, thinks he's friends with the guy with cancer, and everyone else thinks the guy's a Nazi, and <laughs> then the guy dies at the end, and they get they go to his funeral, and it turns out he was a Nazi with cancer. <laughs> yeah, and why was that rejected? I don't know. I don't know, but. Maybe one day. Yeah, is that? I wonder if that's because, and this is a wild guess, tell me if you think there's any weight to this, because cancer isn't a thing that the producers feel you have the right to speak (laughs) about. Is there an aspect of that whereby, like. I think it's. it's, I think cancer's a hard sell in the sitcom, (laughs) and Nazis are a hard sell. Yeah. Like, I. I understand the reason not to put that in sure. from a business perspective. <laughs> like I'm not saying I can't believe it, but I do. I do think it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. De- oh, definitely. But I'm just wondering whether there is. Do you? Did you? Or do you feel that your? Uh, your position enables them to kind of win certain arguments with their management. I think we get away with more than we would. I think, like, the Syrian refugee story is 
very messed up. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think a naval body person could have got away with that in the first four episodes. So, right, and that was the second episode. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I, I think I get away with. I mean, I know I get away with. I'm very aware of how my actions can be um, misinterpreted. Like, like, when, when the character, Tim, is an asshole yeah. on Joe. I'm not saying all disabled people are assholes. Sure. I'm saying we're capable of being assholes. Yes. Right? And I know there's people that won't get that. And it it depends on how well I do my job. How many people will get that? But I feel like if you try... If you try to teach that lessons to kids mm-hmm. and you do it wrong and you teach sure. them that all <laughs> disabled people are assholes, yeah. that's a lot of pressure. Understood. Yeah. Coming back to the, you said you trained yourself to deal with drunk adults. Yeah. Coming away from the kind of the children aspect of it, just generally, do you feel that? As a comic, it costs you something to become good at dealing with tough rooms. Does it, like, in some ways it sharpens the material? Yeah. Are there downsides to that as well? I, I think there probably are the downsides to everything. Because when you do have to make it as understandable as possible. Right, which means you can, you don't have to, but you're definitely capable of losing a subtlety, which is nice to have, Yeah, you know. But on the other hand, it does teach you to make ideas as simple as possible, Yeah, which is good, so... I think there's good and bad sides too. Both ways of doing it. And are you have you taught? Not yet. No. Maybe next year, hopefully. I think so. I think I'll probably talk next year. So that thing you were talking about at the gig in Bristol when you felt like they're there for you. Yeah. You said at the time uh, that it was... To it do with jerk having just gone. Yeah, out. it was just pure coincidence. Yeah, it was just like I was headlining. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And jerk just came out. Sure. So like, sure. Like everyone was like, "Oh, I, I came here because I watched jerk." Yeah, and and, like and a few people got me gifts. What kind of gifts? Got a scarf. Nice. Which I promptly lost. And I think I had them, which I also lost. <laughs> so that 
cultivating that audience from the TV show, which it feels like, I mean, uh, do you get any access to like the viewing figures? Do you find out how I, big Jerk I is? Or just... I don't think it's that. Uh, I, I don't know. But it, but it's certainly, it's all like a part of the cumulative yeah. process of like, this is Tim, yeah, the yeah, wider yeah, audience, yeah. bit by bit, yeah. up, you know, things yeah. with the crampons or whatever. Yeah. Um, so in terms of what will happen if you do tour with people who are coming to see it, at least yeah. with Jerk, you're being something very close to your persona. Certainly the sense of humour is, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if you like Jerk, you'll enjoy no, your close that's, set. That's the good thing about Jerk. It's, I know if people like that. Yeah. They're like that. But yeah, so so a few times, like last two, three years before Jerk, I was offered to audition for British Got Talent. How do you feel about that? I, I mean, I just turned it down every time because I didn't like you. Like, I, I probably can't write a clean set and do okay. But even if I do, and like, even if best case scenario, I win and people from that come. Yeah. They will. Fucking hate. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, imagine yeah. the first, imagine if you hadn't had that thought. Yeah. You won Britain's Got Talent yeah. and then on with clean yeah. stuff. Yeah. Imagine the first gig. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so funny. That's, uh, yeah. That's interesting. I won't name the comic, but I was talking to someone last night about, about this comic who has really, it, they find it very hard to tour because the type of TV they've done yeah. is uh, it attracts a certain kind of audience and that audience are not, I'm not going to say smart enough, but they're not nuanced yeah. in the same way that, you know, yeah. they've got like a big mainstream audience and a very alt approach to comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I've always, I have been aware of that since my first Edinburgh. In my first Edinburgh. I was back to back with Adam Hurst, and I had a pretty good first year. Like, so I I was getting an audience, and he was getting an audience, and they would pass each other, and they were very different looking people. They were like, oh, not every audience is the same. How were they different? Well, like, his were cute. Like, all his audience is adorable. And mine looked like they smell bad. <laughs> Which is the type of people I like. <laughs> but again, I, like, so my ideal audience is half my audience, half his. Yeah, right, okay. Right? Yeah, you want to be outside around Main Street. In the you court. want to... Make enough money, but not yeah. be an insider. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying, like, my ideal audience is half people that like me and half that I understand. don't know who. Yes. Or don't agree with me. Yeah. And I don't know how. I don't know that it's even possible. Yeah. 
And what do you want? What would be the pinnacle kind of gig or experience for you? I don't know because I keep getting it. I I aim my goals too low. So my my pinnacle used to be so low. Yeah. Because I thought that would take forever. And then I got it in two years. And then I guess Life at the Apollo just because it's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. I'm pretty satisfied, which is not great. <laughs> like, I'm just kind of happy with how stuff is going. So talk to me about happiness. Yeah, I mean, it's a career killer. Because you're like, I'm good. Uh, no, but it's cool. It's a... Uh, because I, I, this is going back to the thing about not being other, like, other comics. But I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty easily contented. Like, I don't, I don't really drink or do drugs. And the only thing I spend money on is food. And yet, and that's all I really want. And so, I mean, it's great. I feel like I'm enjoying life much more than other people know, but... Uh, Did you mean more than the comics? Yeah, you know, yeah, comics yeah. you hang out with? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, all my friends are doing pretty well, actually. Yeah, but, but it's hard to stay motivated. Just on that, when you say your friends are doing well, we all know comics. Doing well doesn't mean that they're happy. Yeah, <laughs> you, that's... Got, do you, are your friends largely happy? Do they you hang out with happy people? to be fairly happy. I, I got a few that are sad. They're always going to be sad, no matter how successful they can. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and how do you recover after a bad gig? Uh... That's the thing, it doesn't take me that long. Because I'm just like, yeah, that was shit. I always blame myself. Yeah. If there's more than four people. If there's <laughs> less than four, I'm like, if there's four less, I'm like, well, it's no one's fault because... It's not a gig. It's not a gig. Sure. But yeah, I always try to blame myself because... That's the only thing I have control over. Yeah. And then, so I think about what I did, and then I just, the longest being sad about a bad gig has ever lasted is till the next gig, which is usually the next night. Yeah. So. Every gig is a different story. Uh, I'm wondering how I can break your happiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. Well, well I, uh, I do have... I do have to call... I just start, uh, put down an offer on an, to rent an apartment. Yeah. And the people checking my money just call. 
Okay. Yes, so I do have to call them. <laughs> they might break my happiness. <laughs> So thank you to Tim for for coming along to that show. Thank you to the Bill Murray and Angel, an incredible hub of uh, comedy. What was the word? I've got to find a way to describe it. It's like a wonderful benevolent thing where a bunch of comics started a project, bought a lease on a venue somewhere in Zone 1, like Matt was on 2 at least, like absolutely mad people, uh, and are somehow managing to make this wonderful thing work. There's tons and tons of shows there, and you should definitely check out angelcomedy.co.uk or go along to the Bill Murray. There's They've constantly got really exciting new groundbreaking occasional um uh, projects on and all sorts of uh, exciting comics are doing all sorts of good things was that vague enough i'm not looking at the website as we speak but it's always good so if you don't know about the angel comedy club at the bill murray get along there soon thank you to rob smouton for the music jk crossland for the logging of this episode thanks to nathan wood editor uploader and producer of the show i've been Stuart goldsmith and i will post amble at you if you'd care to stick around but if not i understand i've got two absolute belters in the diary to record next week one of which is going to go out uh, next week and one the week after i'm not going to reveal them because they're not in the can yet but i'm very excited about both speak to you soon So here's a thing uh, that is happening in my life. I've got a corporate engagement coming up this Thursday for uh, an awards ceremony. And ordinarily at these things, you get booked for 8 to 10 or 15 minutes of stand-up at the top and then you introduce anything between 10 and 42 awards. And um, uh, and I'm not saying they fill me with dread. I enjoy them. They're good. And I'm getting better and better at them. I really I have a lot of fun. Uh, I, I feel very empowered now as a comic to get there and... After the rehearsal that afternoon and before the gig, I'm confident in my ability to write a load of quick jokes based on the industry uh, to start the set with. That was a lot of fun. And that's, that's been a lot of fun, uh, the last few of those I've done. Um, but this one, I got the straight... Normally, you get a briefing call where um, where they tell you that, uh, uh, oh, you've been booked for 10, but we absolutely don't mind if you do 30. Sure, I'm sure you don't. Um, but... There is uh, a, lo- a lovely and completely new to me thing happened recently um, when I got booked for a thing and I'm excited to do it. And then I found out they don't want any stand up. I'm purely hosting the awards. They said, how's this for a note? You can be funny if you like. <laughs> um, sure. But uh, and I, I, I mean, I made it. Don't do me any favours. I'm happy to get up there and read the script. What an incredible situation. And it made me realise there is an industry out there which is sort of presenting, right? You can just present. It's like being a... Imagine for a moment being a comedian without needing to be funny. It would be like being an actor, but even easier than that. Oh, and while I think of that, I haven't listened to it yet. I'm going to listen to it as I drive to the aforementioned gig later this week. Anna Mann is doing a podcast. I think it's called Anna Mann Talking to Actors. This is the fabulous Colin Holt in character as his wonderful creation fading thespian and a man but my friend ryan early is an excellent actor and also a close tie for the funniest human being i've ever met um he's not a comic but uh, between him and my friend hutch i think they are the two single funniest individual people i've ever met in my life and uh, and i absolutely cannot wait to hear anna man interview ryan early so i don't know if that's the most recent episode i don't even know how i found out about it but if social media marketing or something on the part of Cole. Um, But uh, I'm going to pre-recommend that one without having heard it because I love both of the people involved in making that. So do give that a listen. Um, 
So, but yet, yeah, so back to my point. Imagine being a presenter. Are you a presenter? Are you listening to this? What is the skill set besides like auto cue and talking politely and being warm and friendly? Is that it? I mean, maybe I'll get me some of that, right? Just imagine, like, imagine just for a minute, imagine whatever job it is that you do. Uh, imagine if there was a version of it that was just the easy bit. I'm being mean to presenters now here. And I'm sort of, I was an actor for long enough, I think, that I can be casually dismissive of actors. I'm certainly uh, open enough about the fact that uh, I was never really more than capable. Um, but, uh, but presenting, like imagine walking on stage in front of people just having to say hello. I can't, I can't get my head around it. I, I tell you, the post devil next week, we'll be going, guys, it was a disaster. Absolutely tanked the gig. Turned out I couldn't say hello or be warm and friendly. I mean, it's just an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Is this fit for a post devil? Should we knock this on the head? I don't want to feel like I'm slagging people off. I'm sure there is a skill set to presenting. And listen, at the end of the day, when you do a conference call pre these kinds of uh, corporate engagements, they, they, all they really want to know is that you're not insane. <laughs> you know, the, there's there's a lot riding on the look of the, you know, the look of the event. And uh, the first few of them I had years and years ago, like 12, 13 years ago, they'd say, oh, there's a briefing called. And I'd think, oh, God, this is like an audition. I have to, I have to convince them I'm hilarious. No, all you need to do, as I understand it, and there may be access to realms of work out there I'm not getting because this is somehow a fundamental misunderstanding. But let's believe in myself just for a second. Let's believe in myself. Bang. Show title. Log that. Um, can someone listening to this, if you know me, can you text that to me? Because I'll forget otherwise. Let's believe in myself. But now I'm going through the same process I always do. It's a good show title. It's funny. Is it just funny to me? Would it suit me? Is it much funnier for someone like the aforementioned Christopher Bliss? I feel like it's much more of a him title. He has the distinction of one of the funniest titles I've ever heard in my life. I spy with my little eye, something beginning with why have you been sleeping with my wife? If that doesn't make you seek out his special on next up, I don't know what will. Um, anyway, the point is, God, this is a, this is a, a Russian doll of a tangent. Um, believe in myself for a moment. Let's assume that I am doing the right thing. That briefing call, you just have to convince them you're not a lunatic. I've done a fair amount of TV warm-up in my time, like seven, a really decent amount of it. I, I do just do, I just do one regular show these days and, and not really anything else, which is fine. Um, which is fine by me, because if you do a like a panel game, you do 10 or 15 at the top and then you just go home in some of them. I used to do a lot of sitcoms, like long, gory, four-hour records where you'd be saving... I remember Alan Cochran telling me, compare for as long as possible, then do all your mid to long stories, save every short joke you had, because come hour three, they're going to need short jokes because it's on and off and on and off and another costume change and all the the actors all got wet during that last scene because of that stunt. Now they all need to go and get dry for half an hour and change their costumes completely. Just go on and entertain them. I would often arrive I'd be a late booking for certain types of show and I'd get there and they'd have a chat with me and they'd say the producer would go can I just make sure can you just be nice to them and I would say name name of warm-up artist and they'd go yeah and I would realize that that was the person I was there to fill in for because uh he the he or she had uh had been incredibly mean and rude to the audience. So, unnamed warm-up artist, thank you. You've probably bought me a car over the years in uh, in terms of uh, me being commissioned to uh, to be nicer than you were. But I'm sure you're out there and, and happy. I know you're very happy and, and thriving wherever you are. So, uh, what is all this I'm talking about? Um, this is uh, a bit more shop talk than I normally do. 
Uh, I'm simply making the point that sometimes, like I believe in presenting, right? I believe in it. I'm not slagging it off. But just is, imagine your job. Imagine doing a thing where the the hardest bit of it you just don't need to do. Imagine you're a doctor. Oh, is this what a consultant is? <laughs> is that where you go around going, you don't need to do any actual doctoring. You don't need to do any actual surgery anymore because you're good enough at it now that you just turn up and go, yep, that's a, that's a knife sticking it in. Okay, catch you later. I'll check in later. Or is there, God, consultancy. Are there comedy consultants? I feel like someone has branded the term comedy consultant. But I do like the idea of of dropping in somewhere and going, yeah. Someone told me there's a consultancy, like a corporate biz thing, called uh, This Is Going To Hurt, where they come into your business and they tell you exactly what you're doing wrong and why you're all at each other's throats. What a sensational piece of branding. This is going to hurt. Doesn't that just dare you to book them? Doesn't that suggest if you don't book our service, you're a coward? God damn it. I'm absolutely, I mean, as as ambles go, this is a ramble. But um, yeah, is there, are there any other equivalent jobs? I think most jobs you actually have to do the job, right? You can't just do the easy bit of the job. Like, is there a job that maybe you could be a bouncer outside a club, but you're just the radio guy? So if anything at all kicks off, you just tell someone else and they come and sort it. I sort of feel it's like that. Well, listen, let's check back in next week and you can find out whether I um, have got my tail between my legs. You know, do you hex things at work? Do you ever do this? Do you ever find yourself in the dressing room before a gig going, oh, I saw so-and-so the other day. Oh, they were awful. And then think, oh, God, I'm going to tank this gig now. I've ruined it. I've angered the comedy gods by by disparaging another performer before the show. Or equivalent, you know, you uh, you slag off someone's teeth and then you then go on to mess up the uh, the dental work that you're employed to do you know you slag off someone else's cakes and then bake a bad cake is is that that's one of those hex things i'm obsessed with these i i can absolutely feel this conversation coming back to haunt me on uh on thursday as i travel to this show which i'm, I'm really up for doing um but i'm just gonna it's gonna suddenly ping in my head oh yes i was massively overconfident about this and then i'm gonna walk on and somehow fail to say hello Ugh. I'll I'll fill you in when we next speak. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 